Welcome to Living Well with Rent Well, the podcast for anybody who's thinking about getting into real estate, in real estate, and wants to take their game to the next level. I'm your co-host, TJ Hawk. And I am your co-host, Rob Coldwell. Today's episode of Living Well with Rent Well, we have an industry titan here. I say that because there's 29 years experience, which means that she got started in the space when she was 10 or 11 years old. So congratulations, Marga, one of the youngest in the 1031 space. We, I've, ever, I've been going to real estate clubs now for almost 20 years, and I have heard of your company since I, since I started going to those clubs and you specifically. So could you give us your backstory on how you got into this space and what your role is now with the, with 1031 Corp? Well, Rob, for us old folks, it's really um, the typical story where you answered a job, a classified ad in the Philadelphia Inquirer and went through a series of in-person interviews and got a job. I applied for a sales position with 1031 Corp. The funny thing is I had no idea what 1031 exchanges were, what I was getting into. And I went to the Free Library of Philadelphia trying to find this all the way back in 1994. And with every library in the library, we still couldn't figure out what they actually did. But um, started doing sales for 1031 exchanges in 1994. And by 1996, was named president of the company. And in 2010, uh, with a with a long term, a long time former um, employee, acquired the company as well as one of my old bosses. And the three of us are now shareholders in the company. And I get the benefit of all those experiences when we were owned by another company and knowing how they did things, why they did things. And now I can take all of that to do things for all the right reasons because it makes sense for the clients, because it makes sense for our team. And it's not just about what is good for stock values or shareholders. It's really about the client experience for us. So 1994 and then 1996 is when, is when you took That's a pretty quick transition there. Yes. That's, I, that's so cool. I was fortunate to have a boss who became a mentor and just allowed me to run this company like it was mine when I was, you know, a kid in my 20s and really motivated and and having fun with it. But he empowered me to treat it like my own company. And now we're partners today. And it has worked out really well for me. I always joke it was my baby before I had babies. Of course, all my babies are big now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So what is the succinct answer to why is a 1031 exchange important? So a 1031 exchange is a way for a real estate investor to sell business use or investment property and replace it with another one that works better for them, but they get to defer the federal capital gains, the state income tax, the depreciation recapture. So they get to use 1031 to help them grow their real estate portfolio with pre-tax dollars. Too many people go into a 1031 exchange thinking, I just won't have to pay the tax. 
and they fail to look at all the other benefits of doing a 1031 exchange, like the ability to buy something that works better for you, something that generates greater cash flow. It's easier to manage. Of course, they can work with RentWell and, and have someone professionally manage it for them, but it's a great long-term investment strategy. It is a way for um, a business owner to have a great exit strategy when they sell their business. They could sell the real estate attached to it and then use that as steady cash flow for them in their retirement. It's a way to acquire that property in a resort area that is a rental property. And when you're ready to retire, make it a second home or a primary residence. So there's so many things you could do with 1031 exchanges once you learn more about it. But again, people do it to just not pay the tax right now and fail to recognize all of the other benefits. All of the other benefits. That's right. So you covered a lot there in that true peer time. So let's 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 start unpacking some of that. Sure. So one of my first mentors was a real estate guy, right? And he he would share with me, he says, Rob, it's not the money you make. It's the money you keep. And he was not only talk about being thrifty with my spending, he was also talking about uh, taxes, which you know, we all know that you know, death and taxes, the only two things that are, that, that are guaranteed in this world. So if high level, what this, the 1031 is an actual, it's a government piece of legislature, it's, a, a, a guidelines yes. rule. Like, Rob, it's section 1031 in the Internal Revenue Code, so the federal tax code. It wasn't always called 1031, but it's always allowed exchanges of like-kind property. And like-kind is just a confusing term. It refers to the use of the property, not the specific type of property. So any kind of property held for business use or investment will work. Any kind of real property. So any kind of real estate. And you can sell a single-family rental to buy a multifamily or you could sell that piece of vacant land that you bought and you were going to build something on and you never did, but you could exchange that for three single family rentals that are all bringing in cash flow for you. And the advantage there is the one of the, you said that there's multiple, multiple advantages. And what I really like about what you said, some of the other advantages, whereas this, this podcast is really geared for those who have been in the space for a little bit and they want to get to the next level. So we help them with guests that talk about building business teams and high-level customer service and 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 strategy. We've a, a recent guest talked about it's more than just the money and the, the 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 idea of the inner happiness, that inner pursuit, not just the outside world. So. It really resonates with me many times when I'm giving a talk. Sometimes I say, how many of you want a 30-unit apartment building? And all of the hands go up in the room, right? Because I'm giving it to a real estate club. Well, then I say, no, you really don't. You, you actually don't want the building. You don't want the $50,000 roof and 30 stoves and, and, and the pest control and the lawn. You don't want any of that. You want what you believe that that building can provide you and your family and your legacy. And a lot of myself included, I've never sold any property. So I've, I do not have any direct experience with a 1031. My, the closest I've come 
was to help a friend who was going to buy an office building. And the seller of that office building was building a much larger, much nicer office building next door. And he was he was a CPA and he was 1031ing it, right? So the seller wanted in the listing agreement or and the agreement of sale, this check a box, this is part of a 1031. And he wanted to have his I's dotted and his T's crossed. So before we get to dotting I's and crossing T's, the IRS code allows the seller of the real estate to not pay a significant, a potential significant portion of taxes due, not necessarily how much money they have in their bank, not necessarily what their loan balance is, right? A lot of folks refinance properties and you refinance, that doesn't change your, your it changes your amortization schedule, but not your cost basis and your depreciation schedule. So when I've looked at this from my own portfolio, I'm like, wow, if I didn't 1031 it, here's how much I would need to pay. And then I get a little squirmish where it's like, well, can I find that like kind? What is like kind? And this is a single family. You just said that land could buy single families and and the single family could buy something much larger. And so- Right. So like kind, as I said, refers to the nature or the character of the property, not the specific type of property. But frequently exchanged types of property include everything from a single family rental, which probably accounts for more than 60% of all 1031 exchanges in the country. But vacant land, a shopping center, an office building, could be a storage facility, an industrial building. And the nice thing is because as part of the federal tax code, you can buy and sell anywhere in the U.S. You can sell more than one or buy more than one. You talked about the guy that wants to end up with that 30 unit apartment building. The really cool thing about 1031 is if that's really what you want to do, you could sell 10 single family rentals individually or as a package to take all the proceeds from all of those properties without paying any federal or state taxes and roll it all into that 30 unit apartment building. And if you were selling those 10 houses, would you have to sell them within a certain period of time from the first you sale? Would. To the last? Yes. So okay. when you do a 1031 exchange, from the day you sell your first property, you have 45 days to identify the new property. And running at the same time, you have 180 days to buy the new property. The best advice that I have for anybody, regardless of, of what the real estate market is doing at the time, is to plan ahead. Because you already know what you have. You want to know that you have something better to move into. So plan ahead, really look for that property and try to line up that replacement property so you're ready to go. If you are selling multiple properties, timing is definitely the, the trickiest part of that transaction unless you do what a lot of investors do and that's package them and sell them together. Are there any disqualifiers in, in terms of like familial status? Like, could you buy a family member's property? Is there anything there? That's a great question. And the subject of our newsletter that will go out today, uh, but a 1031 exchange does not really work when you're buying from a related party. IRS is very concerned that you're going to do something funny and you're going to shift basis. 
and one of you will be able to sell a high basis property and walk away with all of the proceeds. So when you are buying from a related party, it will only work if the related party is also doing a 1031 exchange or if the related party pays tax and they pay more tax than you would have paid without the 1031 exchange. Interesting. Okay. It seems like monopoly uh, is, 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 is a good analogy for this with the yes. it four greenhouses to get the one red hotel. So how do you not, how do you actually have your capital left to be able to get that one red hotel? But at the end of the, at the end of that game, it's, it's what, what is it? You have to make your opponents bankrupt. And that just wouldn't, that wouldn't fit in with our, with our vibe over here at living well with rent well. But at the end of the day here, nobody's getting out alive, right? What happens after, let's say you're, you're, you're at it, you've been buying properties, you 1031 up, maybe you do another couple more rounds and you get into some really valuable type, possibly some triple net type, easier management properties, right? There's a whole spectrum of the, how much energy is required to manage. I mean, it just at Rentwell, we've identified seven different types of residential properties, not just houses or apartments. No, we actually mean who the tenant is from short-term rentals to Section 8 to co-living, right? So there's a whole spectrum there. And then there's a certain amount of energy that's required for those types of properties. When you're getting up to these larger and larger properties or just bigger scale, what does it look like near the end of life or when you're thinking about if you if you like your kids and you wanted to leave them a bunch of real estate, I know not everybody does. Um, but what does it look like? How do you preserve that wealth? Is there a way, Margo? Where's that? At the end of the day, that you're, you know, because I I think some people have that head trash. Well, I'm going to have to pay it at the end of the day anyway. Is that true, Rob? It would be true that you have to pay the tax if you do an outright sale down the road and don't 1031 exchange again. But the way the rules are written you can continue to 1031 exchange over and over and over. And someone's keeping track of how much you owe IRS. But when you pass away, and as you said, it's inevitable. Everybody passes away at some point. When you do, your heirs inherit all of your assets with a step up in basis, meaning they inherit it at the fair market value at the time of death. And currently, so when, when you do that, when you pass away, your heirs inherit everything with a step up in basis, meaning that all the gain is deferred at that point in time. And depending on the size of your estate, you may or may not have estate taxes. Right now, in 2022, the exclusion from estate taxes is $12.06 million. And for a married couple, that's twice that amount. So if one spouse passes away, the, the surviving spouse can port whatever remaining amount of their exclusion over to their exclusion. So together they still end up with $24.12 million exclusion. And depending on the state will determine how much of the state tax you could avoid through that. But the really cool thing about 1031 is it's a way for you to build wealth during your lifetime and then potentially pass that wealth to the next generation with no tax consequences or significantly less tax consequences. 
So it's a very powerful wealth accumulation strategy. I'm an Excel geek, like through and through. <laughs> I would love to see that in a workbook. Because my brain was like, okay, what do you mean by they get it at the, let's use a, a million dollar property. Okay. And we've had it for 30 years. And let's just say it's been depreciated over 30 years. So it's fully depreciated and we sell that building mm -hmm. to get a $10 million property. What happens to that? And we depreciate it. Let, let's just say the land value was not much and it was basically a million dollars worth of depreciation. I know it's going to be some land value, but let's just try to use some round numbers. So there's a, there's a million dollars. And let's say that the building didn't appreciate. Like, let's just try to make it as simple, as simple, as simple could be. So there's a million dollars of, of, of basically, is that considered a gain when that property sells because we've depreciated 100% of that property? It's not necessarily considered a gain. It's just depreciation recapture. Okay. And how does depreciation recapture factor into all of this? When you sell a property that you have held for business use or investment, you have to recapture all the years of depreciation that you've taken on it at 25%. So if you've owned the property for 20 years, 30 years was your example, yes. then if it was a residential property, they had 27 years of depreciate. So they have depreciated the full value of the structure on the property. Yes. So when they would go to sell, they would have to recapture all of that depreciation they've taken at 25%. Plus they'd have to pay capital gains on whatever their gain is, right? The difference between what they paid for it and what they're selling it for, plus you know any capital improvements they made along the way. Okay. So the 1031 exchange will allow them to defer that gain as well as that depreciation recapture. It is important to note that they will forego some depreciation on the new property. So if you sold a property for a million dollars and you bought another property for a million dollars and you had taken all the depreciation on the old property, then you have no depreciation on the new property. Okay. But you talked about buying something for $10 million. Right. So for the first 1 million in that example, you wouldn't have any depreciation, but then you would depreciate the other 9 million just like you normally would. So while you're foregoing the depreciation on a million dollars, you didn't pay the 25% recapture when you exchanged it and you didn't pay any gain on whatever profit you had on the building. And is the 25% the tax that's paid or is it what factors in? So it's a million dollars and it's 25%. Is that 250 that then gets capital gain? So the 250 is depreciation recapture which is never offset by a loss. Depreciation recapture is its own tax liability. And then you have your capital gains, which you pay on your profit or capital loss if you had a loss on a property. And when you do a 1031 exchange, you can defer both. You can also defer the state income tax. And I know that you have listeners all around the country, but Pennsylvania has been an oddball state up until now. And we have been the only state that doesn't recognize 1031 exchanges, but all of that will change on January 1st. And any oh, really? new exchange 
that started after January 1st will qualify for 1031 treatment here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So we finally leveled the playing field for Pennsylvania taxpayers. And did you have something to do with that, Margot? If not, you're well. You're welcome to take credit. <laughs> I I definitely did a number of visits and and worked with the Pennsylvania Association of Realtors on some of their lead behinds and and talking points. I saw that you were a board member there. Not on the National Association of Realtors, but the Tri County Association of Realtors. My term will actually start in January. Nice. Okay. So when I think about ten thirty ones, I also sometimes think about the depreciation and when, when what we were talking about as we were preparing for the interview, like the cost segregation. And a lot of investors like to do this accelerated bonus depreciation through these cost segregation studies. And when I looked at that with my CPA, I realized like it's almost like a bit of a drug. And what I mean by that is, right, you're smiling, right? It's It's like, I see these investors' port, uh, prospectuses, and we're going to accelerate this depreciation and take it all year one, and you're going to have this big loss, Mr. Investor. And I'm like, but wait a minute. I asked the CPI, I said, what happens in year two? I said something like, you know, yin and yang, you don't get something for nothing on any of these. And, and, and the answer there was, well, Rob, you have to be careful because depending on your debt, you can end up with phantom income where the depreciation is now less than what the mortgage payment is. And the difference there would be mortgage payment, meaning the principal reduction. So that just has me aware, right? And that's one of the reasons to, to, to share this knowledge for free via podcast is to just be aware, expand the awareness for these various tactics to know those cost segs work great if you continue to buy. But if you don't continue to buy and you put heavy debt on your properties, you can end up with phantom income. Is there something along the lines of the for the 1031s? I'm sure at this point you've been involved with tens of thousands of transactions and 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 clients in all different types of scenarios. Is there something that uh, around the corner people aren't necessarily thinking of in day in day one? I mean, we've said you don't get the, you know, whatever your, whatever the depreciation was right. that you've already wrote down, you don't get to reset from zero on the, on the next property. Right. Is there any uh, pitfalls or roadblocks or just something to be aware of when entering into these types of transactions? If you're looking at cost seg or even looking at a 1031 exchange, they are both excellent tax strategies in their own right. But it's super important that you take the time to work with your tax advisor and look at the whole picture and decide if it's the right strategy for you. If you are thinking you are only going to hold a property for a short period of time and then exchange it for something else, then maybe cost seg could be really valuable to you. But if you are going to hold it long term, maybe it's not as valuable. And I think you have to look at the type of property it is, how much you could do in cost seg, and how much is still real property that you'll be able to depreciate each year. Because one of the nice things about depreciation is the ability to get it every year because we know it lowers our tax liability. But if we front load it all, then we, it's great in year one, 
but how does it help us in year five? So I think it's really important to do that, that full analysis, not just what does it do for me right now, but what does it do for me long-term? And I talked about that when we first started this conversation with 1031. Everyone says, hey, I just want to do what's really good for me right now. And they fail to look at all of the other benefits of doing a 1031 exchange. And I think 1031 or cost seg, you have to take the time to work with your tax advisor to make sure it's the right strategy for you. And I've seen times when cost seg was a great strategy for them, but they took the time to look at it in year three, in year five, in year seven, to make sure that the benefits were still there. Right. And and, and I think if somebody's projecting taxes to go up, then they'd rather pay more more now at a lower rate or you know time value of money factors in it as well. Well, I'd rather have this money now. My my caution for investors is just make sure that the cash flows of the property are enough to cover that tax bill uh, and that you do not have to come out of pocket after taxes on a on a on that that's that's my one caution. Absolutely. So so the 1031 is there a how does 1031 corp get paid like who hires you in terms of it i guess is it is it directly the seller of the of the of the property is there a lot of consulting and guidance that you know depending on the size of the deal that you what does it look like to engage with your firm so rob we charge a really nominal fee it's based on the sale price of the property so if someone is selling a property for a million bucks we're going to charge them twelve hundred and fifty dollars we did one last week that was 34 million dollars and i think our fee was 1950 dollars. so it's a fairly nominal fee and it will reduce the amount you need to reinvest on the replacement property what we do as the qualified intermediary is we prepare all the necessary documentation we coordinate all the details with the closing agents on both sides of the transaction. We deposit their sale proceeds in an interest-bearing exchange account that I call direct deposit for the replacement property. We keep them aware of all the necessary timelines. And as you said, we really are there to guide them throughout the whole process. So any questions, we are here to answer those questions, but we really do walk them through every step of the transaction. And our goal is to make it easy for them to take advantage of this. Sounds like you make it pretty simple, Margo. Sounds like you've been <laughs> doing this a little bit, huh? <laughs> that Our goal is to keep it simple for our clients and their advisors. I think that's important because when I have been involved uh, on the other side of transactions with this, there's a certain level of stress to for the timelines that 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 are identified those you mentioned the 45 days to identify and then and then starting at the same point the 180 days to go through with the with with the transaction so in the last two years the timelines have definitely been very challenging because as we all know it's been an unprecedented real estate market and if you looked at a property right now if you're standing there you have a greater chance of not getting the property than getting it and that is why I always caution to try to start planning ahead. So that 45-day period is a lot less stressful and try to line it all up. Well, I thank you for your time and explaining this. Are there resources on the website or anywhere that you're aware of 
for those that would want to start playing around with the values of their properties and what their basis is and and any help for in terms of that that level of of modeling that that could be directed or maybe we could joint venture something together and have it available on your site or our site uh, we have different calculators on rentwell.com that help one new one is is do you want to is what what is the difference between renting at your house or selling cuz we're starting to get the calls from accidental landlords i can't sell my home i'd lose too much money if i did so for another episode i'd love to get to hey is it 1031 we, where does it make sense for that we might need some more time to to figure that out but are there any I don't have a calculator on my website. We used to. Um, we don't anymore. And I'd love to chat with you about creating one. But someone could certainly call and talk to one of our exchange officers and they can help them run through some general numbers. You know, we're not a tax advisor. We can't tell you exactly how it's going to work out, but we certainly could make sure that you know all the rules, that you know the benefits, and just do some rough calculations with you. Oh, that's great. We'll we'll make sure to put that contact information in the show notes here. And I really appreciate you, you, Margo, for your time. And is there anything uh, in closing that you'd like to share with any with any of the guests? You know, we joked about me starting to do this in 1994. And I remember going to my first 1031 conference in 1995. And somebody described 1031 exchanges like this. And I've repeated it probably 10,000 times since. A 1031 exchange is like an interest-free loan from the IRS. You can increase the principal by doing additional exchanges. And if you plan properly, you'll never repay it. I don't think there's a better way to, to, to end this show. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Living Well with Rentwell. We hope you loved that episode. Please be sure to head over to our website at rentwell.com backslash vision. We're giving away our free program called Vision Through Purposeful Action. If you're a busy person, if you struggle with finding the time and priorities, or if you're experiencing procrastination and overwhelm, this free course will help you with that. We wish you a blessed day. Thank you for tuning in and check in later.